that you are faithful that has promised unto us today that if we come to you, humble ourselves, if we come, Father God, wanting to receive your word, and in receiving your word, our, our hearts are good ground, good soil for the word of God that will simply receive it today. We believe in covenant in advance that everything that you have for us this morning, we shall receive. Nothing left out whatsoever. That our lives will truly be changed when we, when we leave because we'll no longer be the same because we've heard the word. And in hearing the word, we understand it builds up faith on the inside of us because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we thank you that everyone is precious in your sight and we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The title of our message is simply this, Welcome Home. Welcome Home. And we say this, you know, just like when you invite people into your home and, and they come in and they knock on the door, ring the doorbell, and you're so excited to see them. And or maybe in this case where you have family members, especially the holidays. How many really enjoy the holidays? I love the holidays. And, you know, we're just getting ready to, as far as I'm concerned, the way time is moving so fast. Thanksgiving, of course, be here. And, and of course, uh, we can't forget October. I like to call it harvest, the harvest month. Come on, where we go ahead and receive the harvest. And then we have November with Thanksgiving. And, and then, of course, you cannot forget about Christmas, the wonderful time that we share gifts and all of that. But when family members come from distance, I mean, miles away, friends come in, you open up that door, you tell them, I mean, with a big smile on your face, you say, welcome home, don't you? I know I do, and it's exciting. So I'm saying to you this morning, and we have said already, welcome home to all of you. This story, this parable this morning, I'm hoping and believing that we'll see part of ourselves in the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal. Now, our goal is not to condemn. Our goal is not to judge because we already said that this morning. We heard that when we were giving and honoring God this morning. So that's not our goal. Here's the theme. If you look in your notes, it simply says this. Everyone matters to God. You matter to God. I matter to God. And when we begin to understand this, we understand the background of the parable that we're about to share with you. Jesus is doing what he normally does. Why he came to minister into the earth. Here's what he's doing. He is visiting. He is hanging out with publicans, as you would say, or sinners. And in doing that, you see the Pharisees, man, they had a fit. They got totally and completely upset. And like, who does he think he is? He's supposed to be who he says he is. Doesn't he know who he's hanging out with? But you see, Jesus came to those who were lost, those who needed to be saved. And so on, on and understanding this whole background, this is what took place. And then not only that, the leadership of the day were criticizing him. Have you ever been criticized because you're, there's someone at work that maybe nobody likes, no one wants to talk to? Have you ever been criticized because there's people that you've come in contact with and some of your friends says, why are you talking to them? Why are you talking to her? And you realize that it's the love of God, it's the compassion of God that's leading you to connect with them, to reach out to them, to help them. See, because you have the love of God on the inside of you. Well, this is what Jesus was doing. And as he was walking throughout the city, there were those he's, he's seen and says, they need help. Totally lost. Totally lost. And I thank God that Jesus came. If he would, listen, if you were the only one that he would have died on the cross for, he would have still come. He would have still died on the cross for you. But aren't you glad that he died for the entire world? The entire world. And that it's our job 
And it's our, listen, we, it's our privilege, let me say it that way, to be able to be used by the Lord and to reach out and touch people's lives. Do you agree with that this morning? And so we see what happened here. And I love, I tell you, out of all the parables, I, I mean, they're all fantastic, but I have to tell you, the parable of the prodigal son just blesses me so much. And let me tell you why. By looking at our first blank here, Jesus invested his time. Everybody say invested. He invested his time in people that the religious thought were unimportant. He invested. What does that mean to invest? That means to give. That means to spend time. That means to begin to understand, to open yourself and say, I'm available. I'm going to invest. I'm going to give you what I have, and I'm going to place it in you, just like financially. When you go and you see a financial advisor, and then what do you do? You take your money. You take, say, I want an IRA. I want a CD, whatever the case may be. You're investing your money in the bank. You're investing your money with someone, and you want what? A greater return on what you invest. Isn't that right? So here Jesus is saying he came because the Father sent him to invest his life, to pour his life into the people, believing for a greater return. And that greater return is disciples after disciples after disciples. And I love it. But we have to understand that that in doing so, he begins to share a parable. Now in this parable, If we look at the entire chapter of 15, he talks about the lost sheep. He talks about the lost coin and the lost son. But I will tell you about the first two that it's really interesting that the first two people had to look high and low. They had to turn this over and turn that over to find the lost sheep and to find the lost coin. Have you ever lost something? And, you know, you're like, oh, man, where did I place this? I don't know where it's at. And you turned everything over. You pulled out your drawers. Man, I mean, you went here. You said, I know I went there, looked in your car. I mean, you looked all over the place, turning your house upside down to try to find something that's very important to you, especially if it's a very important document. But you see, understand, those first two, the sheep and the coin, they, listen, when, you, when people were searching for them, what, what the parable is telling us that they went after them with everything they had. They were diligent. They were, but understand this, there was no moral, dealing with these two items, these two things, there was no moral connection like the son. You see, what happened is with the son, even though he was lost, he had to make his way back home. He had to make his way back home. The coin couldn't make its way back home, and the sheep surely couldn't find its way back home, but the son had a moral responsibility to come back home. This is why I love this story. This is why I love this story. You and I matter to God. If you hear nothing else this morning, you matter to God. Verse 11 says this. It tells a story what it's really all about. Notice, there was a man who had two sons, the father. And then it goes on in verse 12, it focuses on rejection. Have you ever been rejected? I will have to tell you one of the greatest things that I hate the most in my life, and I use the word hate because I I hate it, is to be rejected. I don't know about you, but I don't like it. I want everyone to love me because I feel in my heart I love everyone. Why are you rejecting me? So as we look here at verse 12 and 13, and when they do that, I really say there's something wrong with them, not with me. You understand that. (laughs) 
But in verse 12 and 13, let's get a hold of what's happening with the younger son because it focuses on rejection. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Give me my share. The father was still alive, and he's asking for his estate. Amazing. The estate and all that was his was was going to be given to him after his father had died. And so here's rejection. The son is rejecting his father, rejecting the the whole process in which it was all set up. Son, everything you need is going to be provided for. He said, I want it now. I want it now. And so before anything else can take place, understand this. The son rejects father. What a story. Because if you've ever been rejected, then you know what I'm talking about. You ever had a plan for someone, or you ever had a plan, of course, for your life, and then somehow, some way, you've been misunderstood. Somehow, some way, people just took it for granted, whatever the case may be, but you felt rejected. This is how the father felt right now. Son, this is set aside for you for the future, not now. Not now. So by a general appearance, though, think about this. We would say, well, yeah, but come on. You know, the, the, the son is a little selfish. He just wanted his money. I mean, you know, that's not really over the top. That's not really a big thing. But then when you understand the culture, when you understand what was taking place here, it was a big thing because he was asking for something that really is his but not right now. And though the father gave it to him, that was not his desire. That was not his desire. And so... The son is essentially saying in your notes that he wished his father was dead. Give me my share. Because once his father would have died, then he would have been given his share. So the son, understand this, he was like, he's the life of the party. Have you ever seen anyone, been around people that's the life of the party? Man, you walk in the room, man, I tell you what, it's like they walk in and the room just lights up. They're like, hey, look at me. You know, now, now that is part of my personality. I have to tell you that. I, that's this part. I'm just being honest. Can I talk to you? I've been around some of you. You're the same way. Don't look at me like that. Yeah, see, don't let me tell on you. But the life of the party. He walks in, he's the life of the party. In fact, the son was the party, okay? He said, give me my money. I want it right now. I want to go do my own thing. And he did. Let's continue. The son was spending everything he had on things that don't last. He didn't know. He just wanted his money. He just gave it to me. I want what's owed to me. And then he began to spend it on things. And not just spend it on things that would count. Not just spend it on things that would matter. But these are things that would not last at all. The Bible says that he squandered his money. To squander, in your notes, simply says this. It's a means, it means to throw away and to scatter without reason. He had no reason. He just spent it. He just threw it away. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not like to throw away money. Come on, right? You want to use it. You want to be wise. But here the son says, I want it, and I want it now. And it's mine. It's owed to me. And it was given hurting the father's heart, but he still gave it to him. So the question we have to ask ourselves is this, you know, have we ever, have you and I, have you ever done something that you knew was wrong? 
and still did it. Come on. Have, how about this? Have you ever said something that you knew, uh-oh, was hurtful, but yet you still said it? So we can't get on the prodigal here. Come on, listen to me. We can't get, I mean, don't, we can't, I'm not looking down at him. I'm not condemning him. This is where he was in his life right now, what he was going through. And if we look at our own lives, there's maybe some times in our own lives where we wanted something right now. We said something maybe that was hurtful so we can connect, can't we? Sure we can. Verse 14 says this. It focuses on regret. So now we're going to begin to see that even though the son received what he wanted, his inheritance, his estate, it focuses on regret. Listen, this is coming from the NIV as I'm reading from. It says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to to be in need. In other words, he spent everything that he had. His money was gone. There was nothing left over. He was in regret. What have I done? I have nothing. But see, he wasn't thinking that at first. I want what's mine. I'm the life of the party. I'm just going to go and make it happen. Come on. And then when he did that, understand, after he spent everything he had, there is deep regret. In other words, have you ever, have you ever done something and go, oh, man, I regret I've done that. I should have done this. I should have done that. And regret began to sink in because he's like, I have it all together. Everything's great. Are you kidding? I'm rich. I'm famous. You know, my dad, don't you know my dad? On and, and on and on and on. But then when everything was gone, he got to a place in his life where deep regret began to sink in. So here's what we know. Here's what you and I know by reading this parable. It's simply this. He spent his money. You know what? His newfound friends, where are they? They're gone. Nobody else is around. It's just him. Because he's the life of the party. There was takers in his life. They were just taking because he was spending it, you know, and wasting it. But here's also what we know. He found himself with nothing. Now, if we look at verses 15 and 16 in your notes, it focuses on results. So then here's what happened. He gets to this place in his life. It focuses on results, and it says this. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. Now, he's self, that's self-awareness. He's decided, okay, I need to get a job. Come on, somebody. All right, so he, gets him, he says, I'm going to get a job. Who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Do you see what just happened? I mean, he had everything in the house. The father had everything for him. He said, give me what belongs to me, spent it all. Now he has nothing, and he's hanging out with pigs. And then, listen, and, and he, he has to, you know, get a job. He never had, when you begin to understand this story, see, he, he wasn't even a servant. He was a son. And therefore, he didn't even have to work. Come on. The father took care of him. He's in the house. He's helping to run the house. And so what he had to do, began, he began, in this case, he had to go and get a job. He had to begin to serve. He had to begin to work. I still think it's a good thing. But he's, he's never did that before. He had nothing. But then verse 17, it focused on this, realization. How many love it when reality sinks in? Uh-oh. Have you ever said uh-oh in your life? I've said uh-oh several times. Uh-oh. In other words, here's reality sinking in. It focuses on this. When he came to his senses, he said, wait a minute. How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and I'm here, and I'm starving to death? Why am I in this mess? 
what happened? He began to reflect. He began to have this this encounter with truth. Like, uh uh-oh, I need to realize what have I done? What have I done? And then we begin to see here, there comes a moment, and here's what I call it, here comes, here's what I call it. There comes a moment in all of our lives that we need a wake-up call. A wake-up call. Now, a wake-up call, I'm not talking about being in a hotel and saying, well, can you go ahead and please, uh, you know, send me a wake-up call at 5 or 6 or 7 in the morning because I'm getting up and leaving. That's not the kind of wake-up call I'm talking about. The wake-up call I'm speaking about this morning is a wake-up call in our lives. Our lives are headed for destruction. Our lives are headed in such a way, in in, in fact, that nothing right now is working out. I'm at the end of my rope. I have nothing to eat. I have no money in my pocket. I have no friends. That, my friend, is a wake-up call. And this is where he was at. Let me tell you a story. This is a true story. And I share this, and my son doesn't mind me sharing this. There's a story about a young man. His name is Stephen. Stephen is my son. Those who were here last week or a week before you met him. Stephen got to a place in his life where he was raised in church, went to church, I mean, ever since he was crawling. But he got to the place in his life. You know how we get older. We come up. We begin to know everything. We definitely know more than our parents. Come on. I mean, especially around the, you know, 13, 14, you know, 16, 18. Of course. Are you kidding me? Right? I know more. And so what simply began to happen is he wanted to do his own thing. And in doing his own thing, he said, I'm going to do it my way. Well, he went on and went off to college and did his thing his way. Do you know when you, when, when you have children or someone that's really connected to you, and I love it when you begin to study this with the prophet and the man of God, that when he went out, and I don't want to get into and change the, the, the subject so much, But understand, when your children go off somewhere and something doesn't seem to be right, your heart goes with them. What I mean is by the Spirit of God, God connects with you or even someone very close to you. And so he decided, I'm going to apply for all Division I schools. Smart. I mean, he, you know, went to school. I I envied him. He must have got this from his mama. Don't, Don't tell Betty. I just gave her a compliment. Don't do that. But he got this from his mom. I had to. He never had to open up a book, ever, in school. And so it concerned me. I said, you're going to study for your finals? He's in school. He's like, yep, I already studied. I said, when did you study? I didn't see you. You just walked in the kitchen, got something to eat, and left. Study. So he decided, I'm going to go to Division I school. So he did. And he got accepted and went to Kansas State. And I said, now, Stephen, I went to college. I know how college life is. Can I talk to you, my brother? All I want you to do is go to class. Because this is costing a little bit of change here. And, you know, that went like right over his head. The bottom line is this. He went to to class, and I tried to call him several times. He was not in his room. Man, I tried to, I tried, man, I had a phone. I mean, a leash. I mean, I had a phone that I gave him. Do you understand? He wasn't even picking up on that phone. And I'm like, what's going on? I called his room. His roommate said, hello, Mr. Munson. He said, yeah. I said, hey, I'm looking for Steven. She said, man, I ain't seen him like in a couple of weeks. What? I'm like, there goes my money. No, I'm joking, joking. But I'm like, wait a minute. You're kidding. He said, no, he's hanging out with so-and-so. I said, don't even tell me. I don't even want to know. Just tell him to call me. He finally calls. Dad, everything's fine. Everything's great. No problem. Okay. I said, son, are you going to class? Yes. Okay, listen. All right, I'm going to tell you. Dad, I got it. I got it. Didn't want me to tell him. 
I said, okay. I said, listen, just go to class and just, when you come back for the break, man, I just want you to be able to go back. <laughs> That's all I want you to do. He said, I got this. He said, I'm going to take my finals. I'm taking my midterms. My finals, I'm good. Brother comes home. He's happy. He's excited. Then this letter comes in the mail. It has Kansas State on it addressed to him. I wasn't home. Betty told me. Opened it up, and it just simply said, uh, Stephen Munson, Mr. Munson, uh, we regret to tell you this. Uh, however, if you want to continue here at this school, uh, you have to appear before board. Well, that means simply this, brother, you ain't coming back unless you come back and talk to us while you even here. Hello, somebody. I'm not even going to tell you about his GPA. I don't even know if it was ever that low in my life. Don't look at me like that. But anyways, the rascal had, the rascal's like a 3.98 went down to, I ain't going to tell you. But anyways, in other words, he didn't go to class. Man, he cried. He cried. He cried. I came home, being the dad, the father, looked at the letter, put it back in the envelope, and just simply said, what's the problem? There's no problem here. We talked about this. So why are you crying? Mom, you know, moms keep talking. I didn't do that. I I really should have more mercy. I didn't have much mercy there. But uh, God is good. So we still helped him. We helped him. And he simply said this, that I'm going to get it together. We gave him some choice of what he had to do. We said, here's here's what I want you to do, son. Your mom and I are going to go off to a conference, and and you're going to be home by yourself. Please, you know, don't have a whole bunch of folks in the house. I, I shouldn't even put that thought in his mind. Because all of it, you know what I'm talking about, parents. All of his friends came over. I cannot tell you how many people was over. All I know, I mean, the, the brother made videos. That's all I'm going to say. So, and he didn't realize that he left the one video still in the camera, and we got ready to use the camera. And I said, what is this? Isn't that wonderful, children? It's so wonderful. So I said, thank you. So we talked, and it was not well. And he decided, he says, Dad... I'm going to do my own thing. Uh-oh, sound like the prodigal. So we said, okay, we didn't want, to, want him to. We love you, but you're not going to live like that and stay here. He said, fine, I'll go live with my friends. Well, you know, I had to show mom the video. Don't look at me like that. I should not have shown mom the video. Because mom simply went from mercy to no mercy. This is my house. What is going on in my house? Get out. Oh, Lord. And I started feeling sorry for him. I started feeling sorry for him. And then she said, pack your bags. No, wait a minute. Uh -uh, uh Uh-uh, uh-uh. Did you pay for that suitcase? Can you see? I said, oh, man. I said, hold on. Come back here. Hold on. Wait a minute. And he never said a word. Hold on. You didn't even pay for that suitcase. I don't even know if I want you to even pack your bags in that suitcase. In fact, here, I'm going to give you some trash bags. I'm like, oh, Lord, let's take. Come on. I'm telling you the truth. Oh, my heart. I was, oh, I felt so sorry for the young man. I was so mad at him. Now I feel so sorry for him. But he just never said a word. You know why? Regret. He realized, got to this place, a realization, and understood what he did. And he said, fine. Packed his bags in the suitcase. We got that taken care of. And then I had to take him to his friend. Oh, I have to tell you, that was the longest drive I ever had in my life. Put in the pickup. Here's dad. And I'm sitting, I'm driving. He's sitting on the passenger side. We're looking straight ahead. What do you say in that moment? You got caught, brother. And he realized, I got caught. I, whatever punishment, whatever, whatever, I'm going to go stay with my friends. But you don't understand this. Where he was going to stay was even worse. It was worse. It was like a big old party house. 
But that's where he wanted to go. I said, Stephen, I'm here for you. Just let me know. Fine. Man, I got out, put the bag down, gave him a big old hug. He's off to his own thing. Hugged him. You know, tears in my eyes. I love you. I just want you to know if you ever need anything, let me know. Listen, I lived it. Okay, lived it. And a pastor. And so we get back to the church and people say, how's Stephen doing? We don't know. Why not? He's not in the house. We, people looked at us like we was crazy. No, we love him. And we had to do this. Are you listening to me? We had to. And so bottom line is this. We did that. And over the summer, he had a basketball scholarship. Threw that away because he wasn't eating, wasn't working out. I got this. He's dad, I got this. Are you working out? I got this. And so, you know, dad being dad and stuff like that, I knew he wasn't eating right. I could tell he was getting slim, and I would sneak him some food, you know. I was upset with him, but I was still sneaking. He's my son. I still sneak him some food. And then Betty kind of, you know, she, she warmed up to the whole idea, and she said it was okay. But I was going to do it anyways, you understand. So. But then he came back, and here's the bottom line. He came back, and when he came to the house, he called, well, first he called, and he said, I don't feel good. Can I come home? Absolutely. This is your home. You're more than welcome to come home. He said, okay, I don't come home. Anytime he wasn't feeling well, he would call to ask us to pray for him. So he came home. We prayed. Then he said in steps, uh, can I take a shower? I said, please do. Because <laughs> the brother, have you, did you take a shower since you left here? That was a couple <laughs> months ago. Come on. So he doesn't mind. We talk. We laugh about this all the time because you can look back. He doesn't mind. I'll probably send him the tape. Anyways. But he said, I said, please do. He took a shower. He stayed in that shower almost an hour. I had to go in there and check to see if he was okay. Are you okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. What was he doing? Reflecting. Because he got back to the house, and he's thinking, what have I done? And then he, said, then he said this, is it all right if I just lay down just for a moment? I said, man, lay down. This is your house. Why do you have to keep asking? This is your house. He laid down. His buddy called and said, yo, man, we're going to go out. He says, man, I'm not, man. I crash. I'm crashing, man. I'll talk to you later. Hung up that phone. He was like, yes. Now, keep in mind, we've been praying for him. He stayed in that bed. I mean, I think it was probably something like 6 o'clock that evening. He came home. That rascal did not get up. He stayed in. He was so worn out. But when he woke up, he said, I'm going back to college. And we said, good, we're going to help you. He made that decision to do that. So let me share this with you. I live that, and I understand. Because if you ever had to put anyone out, especially your family members, it's a hard thing to do. But I would tell you this. Here's the bottom line, and we've talked about this. You know what he told us? Mom, Dad, I am so glad that you did that. Because he said, I don't know where I would be today if you had not thrown me out. Today, great job. He's a manager, you know, in the store. He's married, of course, and, and our grandson, doing wonderful. I mean, he's even taking care of us, asking me what I want. I know we did something right, <laughs> giving us money. Prodigal, but he came back home. So listen to this, verse 18 through 19. Focuses on recognition. Everybody say Recognition. He said, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Verse 20 focuses on return. Now he returns. So he got up 
and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, come on somebody, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Return. Verse 21 focuses on repentance. The son said, because he rehearsed this, he said, this is what I'm going to say to my father. This is what he said in verse 20. He was focusing, okay, when I get home, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? And we see here he focuses on this. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But notice what the father focuses on. He focuses on restoration. But the father, I like but. So in other words, the father was listening to everything the son said. And then after he heard what he said, he said, but. In other words, canceling out everything he said, let me say something. But, and here's what he said. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine, listen, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Everybody say celebrate. Oh, thank God. So the story, listen to this, the entire story, it begins with the father and it ends with the father. Yes, I know it's about the prodigal son. Don't misunderstand me. Just taking a little bit of liberty here. But it started with the father and it ended with the father and the sons were in the middle. Think about that. So I'm talking now, gears, about your heavenly father and how he cares about you. And I can hear him saying this morning, welcome home. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what this person has said or that person has said, welcome home. I love you. And then we would say, yeah, but, but, but father, Lord, you don't know, but canceling out, forgetting about anything and everything that we've done because he's our heavenly father. And when I think about this, with the prodigal son's father, there was, there was no, listen to this, there was no delay in bringing the son back into the family. There was no delay. There was no condemnation. Think about it. There was no criticism. The father didn't criticize him. He, the, the father didn't make him, you know, now you, you sit down and tell me why I need to bring you back in this house. The father didn't do that. He just opened up his arms wide and said, come home. And his father, listen, did not consider him as a servant, but he considered him as his son. And he said, son, come on back home. There was nothing but full and total acceptance. This is what I'm saying, sharing with you this morning. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've gone through, our Heavenly Father stands before us with total and full acceptance and love for all of us in saying, welcome home. Welcome home. And here's what happened. Bring the best robe. The robe was a symbol of being a member of the household. Then he said, put the ring on his finger. It wasn't just any ring. It was a signet ring. And that signet ring, if you see here in our notes, it was a symbol of authority and acceptance. 
I accept you just the way you are. He put sandals on his feet. Shoes were given only to, listen, to those of status. So the moment the shoes go on the young man's feet, oh, I love this. He was elevated above the status of a servant. Son. This is my son. And then he said, bring the fattened calf and kill it. There are two reasons for the meal. Here it is, of course, to feed the son because he was hungry, but also to celebrate him. There's times, listen, I'm telling you, it's time for the body of Christ to stop judging people, to stop, you know, talking about those who've once served God, who once were in the church, who've gone out and done this. I lived it. It's time for us to pray for them, to believe God for them to come back home and to celebrate them just like the prodigal, to celebrate them and let them know that God loves them. Now, when you celebrate, understand this. The celebration is a sign, and here it is in your notes, of reconciliation. The celebration was a sign of reconciliation. And there can be no restoration without reconciliation. Forget it. We have to be restored. And so God is saying, I believe to all of us, that he's waiting. He's waiting for us. He's waiting for, for the world, he's waiting for those who have gone out doing their own thing to come back home. I want to speak to you with every head bowed, please, and every eye closed. His mercy, I want you to see. God's mercy and his grace is available for you. His forgiveness is available for you. His love is available for you. Simply this, what are you waiting for? I encourage you to come back home. And with your, with your head bowed and eyes closed, you know where you are. You know how you've been living. You know if you've been in Father's house and, and now you're out of Father's house. Let me encourage you to come back home with no one looking around. And maybe perhaps you're like the prodigal and then you've listened to this story and you've seen yourself in the middle of this story and you're saying, that's me, but I'm ready to come back home. This is your day, this is your time to simply respond to the love of God, to respond to his passion. His arms, God's arms, are wide open for you right now. And if you're ready to come back home, you're ready to rededicate your life, you're ready to say, I'm ready to start living for the Lord, will you slip your hand up for me right now? Slip your hand up because we want to pray for you. Is there anybody like that this morning? Because we don't want anyone to leave, anyone to go out to say, wow, I missed this opportunity. We don't want any regrets. I see that hand. Thank you. You can, you can go ahead and lower your hand. I see that hand. Is there another one, perhaps, that would say, that's me. That's me. I don't want to leave the way I came in. I want my life to be changed. I don't want to have any regrets. I want to live for God and give him everything that I have. Is there anyone else? I see that hand. You can lower that hand. Because this is a time, church, for us to come back home and, and forget about everything that we've done. Forget about our past. 
and just embrace your future. God has a great plan for you. Last time, this is my last time making this appeal. This is your day. This is your time. This is your hour. Is there anyone else besides those two that raised their hand that says, count me in. I want to come back home. I want to get my life back on track. Is there anyone else? No one? Okay, no one else. Everybody look up. Please look up. There was two hands. Let's give them a great big hand right now. Come on. Two hands that went up. Now, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do because I know this is important to you. And what you, the ones who raise their hand, listen, we're for you. We love you. We care about you. I want to show you that I do.